This is the Business's Mission Podcast. Business's Mission. I'm Gaya Boyd, your host. I came across the very uncomfortable awareness that all of my ideas, my basic understanding of Christianity, of how it operates, of my role in it, were wrong. In this podcast series, we want to discover kingdom keys for business. I'll do that together with Bill Job. Bill is an experienced BAM practitioner. By the way, BAM is short for business as mission. Bill is from the US and lived 30 years in China, where he had handicraft factories. He saw God move tangibly in the workspace. We met at our BAM Congress in the Netherlands. Bill was one of the main speakers and he turned out to be so contagious. His stories made me curious and I wondered, does that only happen far away or can God move as tangibly here, within and through businesses in the Netherlands or at your business in Africa, America or Asia? In this podcast series, I'll interview Bill. At other times, he will be my co-host as we invited guests who are eager to see God move within their own businesses. So listen as we discuss ideas, experiences and challenges. They might be yours as well. If this podcast makes you curious and you want to dig deeper, go to bearmoves.com. There you find a hybrid training and coaching environment, which we are developing. Hello, I'm Bill Job. In this episode of Kingdom Keys for Business, we are here with Arun Proudhu Stanley at his office near Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Together with a Chinese friend, Arun initiated Lancet. They are developing sustainable solutions for diseases of poverty like malaria. I was surprised to find that malaria is on the increase over the past seven years. And apparently those mosquitoes are becoming more resistant to the present sprays and bed nets. Arun, tell us a bit more about Lancet. So in Lancet, our mission is to accelerate the fight against disease of poverty. We do this by developing and delivering sustainable solutions that are affordable and can be used at scale. The story started way back when I was on a business trip to Guangzhou, the southern part of China. I was visiting a trade fair and I went to a particular booth and the gentleman in this booth could not speak English and I couldn't speak Chinese. And there was a very kind-hearted person on the other side of the uh, booth opposite to the booth where I was, he came forward to translate our conversation. And after we completed our conversation, I went back to this person's booth and we exchanged cards and his name was Danny Lin. We built a friendship. And a couple of years down the line, uh, we were having dinner together one evening and I was talking about what is the real purpose of our jobs. We were work, both of us working in the textile industry supplying textiles to uh, retailers around the world. And it was quite interesting that Danny also was in the same mindset at this time. So he said, I am also really tired of my job and I don't see us going anywhere as in the purpose. We don't have a purpose. We are just working and we are making our monthly paychecks and we cannot be content with it. So we decided to join hands together and start a, a business. Since we are from the textile background, we naturally lent into textiles. So we said, let's not get into retail textile, but let's look at technical textiles where we can build value, build products with patents, and ultimately 
bring also about a social mission mission and this is where we finalized on treated bed nets automotive textiles and geotextiles and as we were investigating and reading more about malaria and how the bed nets were used to prevent malaria and thereby save lives i could feel this natural tug in me to say that yes this is where i would like to be involved and i'm glad that danny also resonated with it and we started our company in 2011 and along the years we have developed four products two bed nets one indoor residual spray and an anti malarial pill and further than this we also have an active ingredient discovery program where we are discovering active ingredients from natural compounds yeah because this is very interesting isn't it because in um i heard you share and we had a little talk before right. that there is this chinese um professor who discovered the natural absolutely can, can you share a little bit more about yes that? so so there is a chinese professor named tu yuyu and uh, she discovered artemisinin which is a chinese herb and this compound has been in use for the last 20 to 30 years to cure malaria and it has saved millions of lives and this professor was given the nobel prize in 2015 and we said that okay china already has given a cure for malaria what if we can tap into the same learning curve and bring solutions to you, prevent the disease and you are now working with this laboratory right you're working with the same lab- laboratory and the same team members who are involved in uh, discovering artemisinin and what is also very interesting um, Aaron is that when you uh, do the prevention on her based on herbs that the mosquitoes are uh, not getting resistant yeah. that's right because what i believe is that the problems that we face in the world today god has already given us the solutions in nature and it is up to us to tap into them and and bring these solutions which can be used in today's context and we are doing it in the line of disease prevention and there are also so many other solutions which maybe bill could uh, throw some light into i find it interesting arun that you're continuing to do research uh, to develop more technology more technical responses to diseases in the world could you explain that to us a little bit as on date we have um collaboration agreement with uh, most of the renowned laboratories in asia europe and also africa for example the london school of hygiene and then um, they have a collaborative center with uh, crec in benin it's called the crec and we work with kings college london we work with liverpool school of tropical medicine and we also work with um, laboratories in in india and in europe so the idea is uh, there is a bigger category of disease under which malaria comes which is the neglected tropical disease and these disease are a group of 20 different disease and the big 3 are malaria tuberculosis and hiv So as of now we our team is already started researching by using the same framework we used to address malaria 
how can we address the other disease and uh, in the future that's what we would like to be doing where would you like to take this in 20 years how big do you want this company to become what's the right phrasing for that question it's a very interesting question 20 years from now i would see our company addressing at least seven poverty related disease and that is the framework we are working with we are doing the recruitments in alignment to this goal and uh, we see that we have developed a track one and a track two approach for malaria track one is products which can be immediately launched in the market with significant improvements and track two are more on drug discoveries so that we can bring the track to in five to six years time so that there is a sustainable research pipeline to ultimately eradicate the disease. So we would like to use the same framework of track one, track two also to the other disease. So to add to this, um, Arun, um, you know, there's this big pharmaceutical industry. Are you... Um, is there, is there a gap? Yes, there is a, a big gap. And in fact, these are called categorized as neglected tropical disease by the World Health Organization. And they do this because research and development for this group of disease is neglected. Right. And at the core of that are neglected people. And we see that as a huge gap. And it's again, you know, the mindset of business should be about the shareholder. <laughs> How painful. Yeah, I, I'm seeing another thread here that might be interesting to our audience. We began our business in China as a handicraft company, which was not uncommon. And many people have begun have viewed the BAM realm as more companies like that, fairly limited reach. What we're hearing now is connecting with research all around the world for life-saving solutions to neglected diseases. This is a, a different way to envision the BAM movement. And I believe this entirely in line with what the Lord would be wanting to do as he gets more people to listen to him and uh, surrender to his leadership over their businesses. This is the kind of thing that you would expect to see. It's an amazing story how you developed your Francis in China, yes. doing there the, the research with a team. Right. You are here in the Netherlands doing the market side and yes. the connection with the World um, Health Organization. Health organization. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Thank you for right. helping me. <laughs> Yeah, what is um, also interesting, you know, that how how do you get into this um, this market? I mean, there are the big pharmaceutical industries. Right. The moment we decided as a company that we're going to explore into treated bed nets and we're going to develop them, we knew that the product development pipeline was about ten to twelve years until we get the product to market. 
because there are three main areas where we need to prove the product works well. One is it's effective against mosquitoes. It is safety, safe for children who sleep under the bed. They might take and suck on the net through the night. And third is quality, that even if the bed net is washed for 20 times, it is still knocking down and killing mosquitoes. So the first thing I did was uh, discuss with a couple of friends and they said that I don't think you're with, with your right mind because how are you going to fund this development and what is going? what are you going to do about it? Danny, on the other hand, was very, very supportive of this idea. Both of us focused on the mission. There were many hardships along the way. For many months in a row, we did not have visibility on where we will get our next paycheck from. But we always made sure that we were paying our, our staff. At the end of it, Danny and I might not have anything at all left to, to take back to our families. But the tug, which I mentioned in the very beginning, was still so strong. And though there was temptation to leave everything and go find a job, and there was a season where, uh, as, a, as a life group, we had one brother who was a venture capital investor. This was about three, four years down into our business. I spoke to him about our business plan, not for the sake of funding, but just to brainstorm and, and bounce ideas. And straight away after listening to me for 30 minutes, he said, hey, Arun, this is not going to work. You should just leave all this and maybe find a job or do something else. This did not distract me. But what happened was two months down the line, he met my wife in an event and, and he told Christina that, hey, what Arun is doing, you know, he's my brother. I love him. And I don't want him to waste his years, his precious years. And because I am a healthcare venture capitalist and I will not fund this kind of project. So now Christina already is, you know, being a lady, being a mother, she's always looking at the security for a family. And yeah, your partner, right? Important. Yeah. Yes, yes, and she's my partner. Now she comes and talks to me about, hey, Arun, why don't you find a job? We are having this friction in our conversation and in our relationship. And uh, as we sat down for dinner, I asked her one question. We did not have a stable income throughout the last couple of years. That is true. But is there a day there was no bread on our table? What did Jesus teach us to pray about? Give us this day our daily bread. So there's this calling, but... Struggles in relationship, uh, friends who are discouraging. I like to hear Bill's take on it. You know, he has been 30 years in China as a business, as mission entrepreneur. How did you sense this calling, uh, Bill? I'm really enjoying this conversation with Arun because I'm now reliving uh, an event in our early years. And what I believe he's putting his finger on is there's the ability for the Lord to actually direct us, give us assignments and support that. But we may from time to time have to go against all other advice. Now, I don't, I don't advise doing that per se, but there will be moments when we need to. And there's enough clarity 
It gave you confidence to continue going forward. What gave you confidence? Back in the early 70s, I was a new believer about three years into this, and I was practicing a, a unique skill set. I felt like the Lord had directed me to spend an hour or two in the evenings. And the only instruction he gave me was, if I speak to him for five minutes, he would like for me to listen to him for five minutes. So it's basic relationship 101. And I did develop a knowledge of what I would refer to as his accent. He, he speaks differently than all the other voices I have. And once you recognize his voice, you can become more responsive. During that time, he gave me an assignment to go live in China for him. And that was in 72. We didn't get to move there for 15 years, I guess, until 87. But I never could lose that sense of that assignment that he had given to me. I felt like my calling was a little different, that my calling was actually to figure out who I was in him, that who the two of us could be in the world, me and the Lord. So it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. I think that's my, the hope of my glory is actually him in me. And that he will take that to different locations in the world. And that's more of an assignment. But I just feel a real uh, connection with Arun's story. So when he's getting this, I may say, assignment to bring a solution for malaria to multiple nations in the world, he's, he may feel very alone. And he may have all of the experts at one time or another saying, this is not going to work. There was a point at which we moved factories basically from a studio of 20 people to a, a factory of 150 people. And we went to a location and it made no sense to go there. But I felt clearly like that was what the Lord was telling us to do. And we had at the time uh, a very successful businessman who had turned six factories around to become successful from failure for the Canadian can company. So this is a guy who really knew what he was doing. And he went to my wife and he said, <laughs> he said, if Bill insists on doing this, you will certainly fail within two weeks. I advise you to pack your bags right now and get ready to leave because you will not, it's not possible to succeed. And she comes to me and, <laughs> and I'm thinking, I know he sounds right. I believe he is correct according to all of the experience that he has. So I go back and I go, Lord, is am I crazy or am I like really making a mistake? And I felt like the Lord said, stay the course. Go with me on this. Yeah. And so I went and it was immensely successful. Right. It really was. And the, the, what was behind it was a spiritual phenomenon we went within 20 meters of the first temple built on this island that had a very strong negative spiritual connection. At one point, we hired a Buddhist monk who had become a believer, and he interviewed at the night time, during the nighttime at the building. And then when he came the next day in the daylight, he saw how close it was to the temple, and he couldn't come. He said it just was too spiritually overpowering to him. That was actually connected to the reason why the Lord sent us there. It wasn't normal business reckonings. And that's when I realized, oh, we live within this kingdom issue that God is trying to establish. We, we ourselves have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's beloved son, the scripture says. So we're in the midst of this engagement, this battle of the kingdoms. We are now subject to the king that we have. And if he then gives us an assignment to go conquer malaria, 
we had better stay close and have the courage to do it, even though it may at times go against the experts. Now, I would advise stay with the experts. Yeah. Unless you have an overpowering sense that there is an, an alternative that's part of your assignment at that time. Right. So can you remember some of other times that you are like, I'm really wondering, am I doing the right thing? Am I at the right place? So another one was my dad. For the initial three to four years, he did not mention anything. He said, okay, son, do your own thing. Uh, I'm sure he was praying about it. He came up one day and said, most of your competitors are the Fortune 500s. How do you even plan on competing with them once your product gets to market? My response immediately was that even these Fortune 500s started with something very small. It needs to be built. So though there was negativity from all around and even from my wife, I somehow stayed on the course and I just like what Bill just said is the Lord has got you on a track. So when I look back, I can see that what kept me here when I also received job assignments, I was not attracted towards it. But though my pocket was empty, there was this strong tug, as I mentioned, that we need to take this product to market. And there was encouraging news along the way. We took the first prototype of the product to the World Health Organization. And during the discussion, they were very interested to see which is the insecticide we had coated because it was a new insecticide that we were trying to coat on the net. And they gave a suggestion if we can just strip the compound from the net and deliver them in a bottle, it could be used as an indoor residual spray. And now we went into the meeting with one product. We were coming out with two products. After that, we had... Dr. Olus Komand, he's um, known as the father of treated bed nets. He's the one who invented the first treated bed net. He saw what we were developing and he was very encouraging of what we were doing. And he said, uh, I want to become a shareholder in the company. And he brought one percentage of, of shares back in 2016. So all these encouragements were also coming alongside. And we could really see that though there were negatives, there were also positives along the way which kept us motivated to stay on track. You say there is this inner tuck that you just know that you know. It, how can you explain that? I think this is something very difficult to explain which you have to feel for yourself. And that for me is my calling. So I recognize that as my calling. Like how different people are called for different things. Some people to be a doctor, some to be an evangelist, some to be a pastor. I can say for sure that identifying my calling has really enriched my experience in walking through this journey, through all the difficulties. So are you saying that each one should have such a calling or as Bill says, it's an assignment? I can't speak for others, but for sure, identifying my work as a calling has definitely enriched my walk with the Lord, my walk with my family, and also my walk in the business. Yeah, because walking in a business, you know, that is the mindset is, you know, around us. It, it, it is changing, you know, we are questioning, okay, it's not about money, you know, it shouldn't be only about money. But still, there is a strong current. So how do you, how do you um, respond to this, 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 this mindset of 
redemptive business, transformational business calling uh, next to your friends? Did you find some other um, yeah, teammates, common um, I think, mindset yeah. along the way? For me, what's really been helpful is attending the uh, business as mission conferences. I attended the first BAM conference in the year 2016. That's yeah. encouraging to hear. I mean, I'm involved with this movement, yeah. but yeah. In Los Angeles, and that's where I first uh, met Bill. And Bill was one of the speakers. And among them, David Skews. There were so many other prominent BAM members from whom I could really draw a lot of engagement. Normally, when I go to these conferences, there is a lot of discouragement because it is built over the last six to eight months. And then I go to this conference for three days and then I'm back as a renewed person. Now, suddenly I have a lot of encouragement. I've listened to so many stories of God move. There's so many testimonies and you meet with an ecosystem of like-minded business people who go through the same challenges. And those have really enriched me. So I made sure from 2016, every year, whenever there is a BAM, I might not even have the money to book the tickets. Even if I borrow money, I make sure I go for it because the experiences I draw is priceless. But, you know, talking with Bill um, 30 years ago in China, weren't you like a lone ranger? You know, at that time, it was really pioneering, paving the way. There wasn't... BAM movement, businesses, mission movements yet. Right. How did you survive actually, Bill? Um, well, one of the most discouraging things was that when I got there, I landed with ideas on how this should work. And then I found out that every one of my ideas was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I went through this re-education process where at one point the Lord asked if I would be teachable. And I was a little offended because I have a degree in philosophy, lots of books, Greek and Hebrew. And I'm thinking to myself, have you not seen my library? <laughs> and he responded, oh, I don't mean that. I don't mean, are you willing to learn again what you already know? I mean, are you willing to learn something you do not yet know? And I realized, well, that would be the logical meaning of being teachable. And so I agreed that I wanted to be teachable. And that put me in a position to where I was just hungry to learn and exchange my current idea for a better idea if he made it clear. So I'm curious in our own story, did you go through this process where you began to really expand your understanding of it? For me, it was primarily the kingdom. So I went to seminary. We didn't discuss the kingdom. We discussed the denomination. The kingdom is different. And it is such that I would say I've learned more in the last five years than the previous 47 walking with the Lord. So it's on this dynamic increase because there is so much to understand about it. It's so rich and it's so completely engaging in everything we do. One of the categories of thinking was I want to go live for God. Does that sound like a good idea? Yeah, I mean, sounds it, good. it sounds good. Typically. Yep. I think it's actually, for me, it's a very bad idea because now I'm living and my key resource is me. Instead of living for him, I decided that he wanted me to live with him. He actually wanted to live through me. And that was a different phenomenon. So at first I was going to serve him with my company. And all of the pressure fell on me to be the main answer guy for the company's problems. Then I decided, well, 
there is this thing about being a steward. What if I take the identity of being a steward that I'm not the owner? And the responsibilities totally shift. And the burden falls on the owner to be the owner and solve the problems. And so I began to just, <laughs> it feels very irresponsible, but I began to just put the problems back on him and invite him into his company to solve his problems. And that just began this whole series of events that were incredibly encouraging. So I don't want to wander away from the topic, but what I was curious about with our own story was, were you sensing this sort of re-education process or relearning as you were seeing how the Lord was guiding you and giving you strength to stay the course, even though you had very little support to do that? Yeah, I think every single um, moment I could sense his presence walking along with me. For example, we had a bad situation where one of our customers ditched us. He took away our project manager. The proceeds from this part of the business was helping us fund the R&D. And overnight, this customer took the project manager and set up their own office in Shanghai. And we lost what we had built over three years this was a very dark moment because we were assured of sustainable income, but all of a sudden you don't have it. One week down the line, I was doing my devotion. So it was Romans 8.28. All things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purposes. I just bounced back from it. So what was the good about it? This was God assuring me that no matter what happens, which client leaves or which research partner comes in, I am walking with you. I am in the business. That was an assuring moment. And when I look back now, I can see that God was stripping away all of these because this was taking a lot of our time and energy and resource. If we would have continued to build on it, our focus towards bed nets might have got diluted. So, I see really positive effects in what happened. Arun, can you explain to people listening to us how you recognized his voice? Is your reference to Romans 8 was, is really wonderful. I just want to encourage people that this is easier to do than they may think. And in fact, I think they actually hear him quite often. Yeah, Bill, I, I really relate to what you say that you recognize his accent and um, for me also I have different voices and I'm still learning to understand that accent but for me it is doing the next right thing I'm just focusing on okay I'm hearing different voices while I'm still trying to understand the accent I'm focusing on which voice is talking to me about doing the next right thing. So different voices, maybe your own ideas, yeah. maybe, you know, discouragement, right. accusation. Right. But then learning to discern. When is it my voice? When is it something God is prompting? It is still a process of learning, but being open and always being willing to listen and doing the next right thing. I think there's one more question I would like to ask. Um, you also mentioned in our earlier talk that you um, worked with Praxis Labs. Praxis is a, a US-based business accelerator. 
though we have not been a part of the accelerator itself but their framework is something which has really helped us a lot because they speak about three different spheres one is strategy that is based on what you build and then operations it is how you build it and leadership saying why we build it so just relating with lancent and how we align with these three foundations if you would call it with lancent we believe that in terms of strategy we are bringing healing to nations through our work and that is that becomes our focus on what we are building we want to bring healing to the nations by fighting disease of poverty and operationally speaking we believe that our employees and investors are in fact partners in what we are doing and in the calling which god has given us and so they should be treated as such and this is how we are building our company and the third part is on the leadership as to why we build it so we believe that our motivation to persevere all these years comes down to the fact that our products will save millions of lives in the low and middle income countries so that is the driving force behind every single thing that we do each day so how can the listeners be involved or support lancent great you can be a part of our newsletters to understand what is going on in in lancent you could always send an email to info@lancent.nl and we also have a prayer call every alternative fridays uh, from 3 to 3:30 pm amsterdam time so there are people dialing in for the zoom call from all over the world and we come together for 30 minutes and we pray for the last two weeks there are usually praise reports and prayer request for the next two weeks so people even not involved in lancent could yes, join yes they could join so please send an email uh, to info info@landcent.nl and just mention that you listen to this podcast and you would like to be a part of the newsletter or you would like to be a part of the prayer group Uh, we are more than happy to get you on board. Bill, um, is there something that you say, hey, in wrapping up, what, um, yeah, comes to mind? One of the chief things that stands out as I listen to our own story is it's a kingdom value, really over basic the right to live. If this is as successful as it seems like it might be, there will be many, many people who are going to live. who would not otherwise have that chance because of this. That's one of the main characteristics of kingdom activity. So, it's very very encouraging to hear this story and and I love the process and I believe the process as he has been able to lay out for us today will be recognized in many of our listeners. Uh they'll pick up clues about where the Lord is maybe nudging them in one direction or giving them an interest or a passion in something else. we hope that they will have the courage to do what Arun has done and stay in that direction and see it completed. It won't be easy, but it will be successful. Well, I like how you put it. We have conversations bill. He talks about breadcrumbs along the way. You right. know, there's this little tale about the breadcrumbs. So, you know, to take notice of these little breadcrumbs mm-hmm. and see where the next one might come from. Stay yeah. on track. Thank you Aaron Thank for you. Uh, 
having you here. Thank you. Thank you, Gea. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. If this podcast about Kingdom Keys for Business sparked your interest, please go to bearmoves.com. There you find a hybrid online learning platform, which we are developing. 